There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. I know, like, obviously training is a huge thing for you right now and, and prepping and Q school is now uh, in the rear view. Um, but how much, like, casual, leisurely, fun golf are you playing like that these days? I don't really play any at all. Um, in Orlando, golf is so expensive. Unlike different parts of Florida where, you know, we have, like, an in-season and off-season, I feel like because of the theme parks that it just like it's one constant you know like the summer the theme parks are full so the golf courses are full from people coming there mm-hmm. and then the winter when people are back at school all the snowbirds are back so you don't really get a break right. um so i mean it's like 75 dollars to play i feel like anywhere decent like um, in the summer which again that should be our cheap season right. so i just i don't play i, I have which isn't nothing $75 a pop if you're trying to compete, if you're trying to get better and work on your game. And like, that's, that's a hefty fee. It's a lot of coins. You're trying to play once yeah. a week. Yeah. And that, well, and that's the thing that would get, that would get you like once a week and you, you know, you don't know what you're getting when you go out there. So I pay what, like $800. It gets me a year on this range. Um, and, you know, and that's all I need since I work at night. I get to, you know, it's enough for me to go practice during the day, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, they've got a couple of chipping greens, stuff like that. But uh, again, it's $800 and that gets me a full year compared to what that would probably get me like eight rounds of golf with a bunch of random people, which I love. But like, especially down here in Florida, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> Word. Mm. Well, that's one of the things we wanted to talk to you about for sure was like the the misconceptions of what playing professional golf is like grinding it out on the mini tours and even more specifically like on the women's mini tours if if you're not playing and earning money every week it's impossible right so like clue us into some of that stuff because that's it's really interesting to to break down that role yeah I mean it's still impossible even if you are making money what was it so Last year, um, the tour was called the NWGA, but I won three times and I got, I think, $2,100 total. Wow. Total. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, luckily, I still work full time. Those events were all local. I could drive back and forth. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that wasn't bad. The same thing this year, though, um, the events were three days or, you know, we had an extra day to play. Um, so for me, again, I, I work a full-time job, so I was having to use luckily only one vacation day a week. Um, since all the tournaments were local, I could do like practice rounds, you know, a few weeks before and plan them on my days off. Um, but yeah, no, I, I won money in six of the first seven events and I came away with five grand or something. But again, when you think that's over seven events, when you think of what was it, it was $500 per one to get in. I was just lucky that I, I mean, and I've only ever been able to do the local tournaments, but I mean, all the girls who were traveling, I just can't think of like, okay, I made this amount of money. I'm just commuting back and forth and it's still difficult, you know, at that time with the cost of gas and everything. And I think, I mean, if you're yeah. flying in, staying three, four five days, even if you're getting like a free week for host housing, I mean, you're still flying there, traveling food. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, Literally, unless you have wealthy parents backing you, you, there's not many girls who make it. I mean, half of the girls I see down here who play in events, they're kind of like me. Um, you know, they work and that's all you're going to do is you're going to see them around here. And then when everyone else travels, you'll get the people who have some backing, who have the ability to do it. But the rest of us are just kind of, you know, Q schools are, are one shot a year. I mean, I hadn't played a tournament in three months before Q school. Um, which, wow. you know, is, is a little difficult because obviously you show up and you're like, OK, I got rust and everything, but it needs to go away quick because I got four important days, which at the same time, if I make it through, I mean, the whole thing is I still don't have the money to play. I'm just at that point, I would hope that someone would pick me up and, you know, maybe sponsor me for a year. So, again, it's all still a shot in the dark. Just hoping that the better I play, that maybe someone will come by and help out. But, yeah, it's it's. It's definitely different from the men's side. It's, you know, there's a little more, obviously, money to win, money given out on that side. I know Brad and I have talked about it with just, 
even like when it comes to clubs and golf balls, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much more easily accessible over there. I would love to be able to, to travel and, and actually like put the time in that I would like to, um, and, you know, get to play and, and, and all that. Cause I'm, I'm sure as you guys know, as golfers, you can sit there in a range and you can become more or less Tiger Woods, but unless you can like mentally prepare yourself, like what it feels like to make birdies or what it feels like to come back after a bad hole, unless you get those like physical experiences. Yeah. I mean, you show up to a tournament and it really, it doesn't matter how great you're playing because there's still that mental side. I mean, no matter how positive you can be, there's a difference between, okay, last week for fun, I made six birdies in a row. At least there's still that like mental, like, hey, cool, I can do it compared to mm-hmm. like me. I'm kind of going out there like, all right, last time I played was last tournament. You know, <laughs> I, I don't really play for fun. I practice, you know, so it's just like, all right, I, I'm lucky I'm a pretty positive person and I think up some interesting things in my mind but i'm just like yeah i would love to like play and have those like cool experiences that i had growing up of like all these dumb shots that i'd be like yeah i did this last week and i was really bored you know like i I Mm -hmm. miss having those because those those are so helpful you know like if i was ever in a pond again i remember doing that like (laughs) as a joke as a kid i know how to hit that shot now I don't get to practice that anymore. <laughs> well, all Connor knows is dumb shots. So, <laughs> <laughs> the game based on on dumb shots. <laughs> a flop shot looks a lot cooler going in than a bump and run. You're absolutely I mean, right. It does. That's 100% true. <laughs> and no yeah, I might I might blade that flop shot over the green, hit the equator of the golf ball 7 times out of 10, but <laughs> the 3 out of 10 that it works, it worth it. <laughs> Something I'm curious about Folks that have a quote-unquote platform or a following or what have you seem to have a little easier of a time getting help, getting mm-hmm. equipment, getting balls, getting practice time, yeah. coaching. Um, first of all, like, why? Why is that? And what does it look like on your end when you're like, or, or like maybe in the past when you've been like, hey, I'm a professional golfer. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Is anyone there able to, you know, provide me some gloves or a polo or, a, you know, what, what does that look like on your end as a pro? Honestly, it comes down to if you're willing to, like, show yourself off. I mean, there's the amount of girls I know who, you know, they'll play in one or two tournaments a year just to get their professional golfers. That way they can slap it on their Instagram they don't really aspire to play. So it's not like they're, they're like faking it out there, but you know, golf, like that's not their goal. They don't want to be out there playing. It's just, which is even more frustrating. It's like, you don't want to be there as much. It's just, you found a way to make money through it, which, Hey, you know, like good for them, but you know, it makes sense, but it gets difficult when the actual athletes themselves, because they're not just willing to, you know, show some like sex appeal and all that. Like even girls I've met who I can think of out on tour who ability wise, you think, okay, you would think like all this money would be coming in from different angles and sponsors, but because they don't look, you know, like Belen Mozo, they don't have all that coming at them. It's almost like they have a separate standard for people who actually play golf compared to people who just want to be like an influencer. That is more just like, Hey, cool. Show off our stuff. We don't really care what you do. And, you know, all it matters is your swing looks good. It's interesting for for like us on on the fringe of golf influencership uh, to see how people can make a brand from just having a social media presence and like what does that do for the game? Like, does is it actually helping the game by exposing more people to it, or does it really just hurt the people that actually want to? play it for the love of the game and that want to compete at a high level like where does where does it go from here mm-hmm. yeah i mean but like you said i mean that's a great question like it's almost not for the better of the game you know as much as it, it's great and you know at the same time if there's a golfer out there who's new to the game and they maybe be like a huge football fan if they see tom brady with a stealth driver they may resonate with that and then go buy one so yeah while it's it may help in certain ways in it in the end, it's more like just another selling ploy from the companies, which, again, they've found their way to do it. But in the end, that that's 100 percent of what it is. They're just paying for advertising in different ways rather than, you know, your old school billboards and things like that. It's just a different way of advertising through 
humans themselves. Rather, you know, they're almost making them a product rather than people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2015, mm-hmm. after you began your process of transitioning, you hadn't played golf. You came back to it after a couple of years. What was that break like for you? What were you up to? What were you working on? What What was life like for you at that time? It was funny. It was it was a break I never expected or planned or anything. Um, I remember when I first came out, I was it was almost like I secretly came out. You know, I came out to my parents. I started hormones and things, but I figured, okay, let me take all the you know do what I need to do until things physically start changing. I'm not going to tell anyone else because then there'd be no excuse for them to say, oh, go do all this. It's like, nope, it's already here. It's already happening. Sorry. Um, but no, it, unfortunately I, you know, when I first came out, I, I had lost my job. Um, and, and again, that's not like it was a, anything great in the first place, but I was, you know, went through some financial times and because of that, I, you know, I got a little backed up on my bill at the golf course and, you know, I eventually I had to, to leave the golf course I was at. Um, but I mean, like I said, I didn't plan it. It was just, you know, I remember getting that one day and it was kind of like, okay, you know, I I kept having these thoughts of maybe next week, maybe, you know, I'll finally find a job that'll be good enough. And and I just kept thinking every single week, maybe, you know, maybe it'll come up here, you know, and it was just, you almost repeat that process for like two years. And, you know, it got Mm -hmm. to the point where, again, I I never thought I was going to take any time off. I never could imagine taking any time off. Um, But yeah, it came to the point where I just, it's not like I would say I was forced out, but I was kind of placed out of golf. Um, and then when I started transitioning and getting a job became even more difficult because of that. Um, so, I mean, the only thing I could get was in retail. Obviously, that's not paying much. So, I mean, golf was the last thing I could even think about um, because of that. And I remember applying, what was it? I eventually got a job on the phone to Golf Channel. Um, and it was because I think it was like a, a company tournament or something like that. It's the only reason I was able to kind of get back into it. You know, I always had my club sitting there in the corner of my room. The amount we moved three or four times just due to some financial issues at the time, no matter where we moved, that would be the one thing I would always have with me in my room, kind of with that hope of, okay, maybe tomorrow or, you know, maybe I'll get a call back for that job I just applied for that I can now afford to play. Or, or maybe a mm. guy I used to play golf with will call me up who there are all these super wealthy guys down in Jupiter. Maybe one of them will, will let me come play with them. But again, I was trans. It's a conservative area. That, needless to say, didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, when I, I remember when I got back into it, it was, it was literally just for fun. Um, and I just... I was well overweight. I think I gained like a hundred pounds or something in that kind of three year period of first transitioning. I mean, I was in such a depression from not being able to play golf anymore. Um, and funny enough, as much as I wasn't able to play, I still had that thought of this is something I I will do one day. And I, and I Mm -hmm. remember starting a conversation with the LPGA and at that time, it, it sucked. I almost like I almost felt like I was lying. I was telling them, "Hey, you know, I'm still playing and practicing." Because at the same time, why are they going to hold a conversation with me if I'm honest and like, "Hey, I can't physically afford to play." I mean, they're just going to be like, "Okay, come back when you can." Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it was what four and a half, five years of talking on the phone with them and emails. And I remember I had applied three or four times, you know, they looked at my medical record, said no a few times. And as much as I knew they would, um, you know, it was still, it was pretty difficult hearing um, each and every time because, you know, the amount of distance and everything I knew I had, I was already starting to lose over those few years. You know, everyone kept saying, oh, we'll go sign up for a men's event. You know, uh, LPGA players had to do that when they were a kid and all this kind of stuff. And all I could think about was, okay, say if I do go sign up for a men's mini tour event, if I magically play well, that's only going to hurt my cause down there. Because right. one, I know mm-hmm. that would be literally a one-off because I'd be hitting three wood and, you know, having to get up and down for pars half the time, you know? So it's like as much as something like that could be cool and could maybe help for a day or two mentally, it's like, no, it's not, 
in the long run, it's only going to hurt my cause because then people are going to be like, well, you had no issue signing up for a men's event then just keep doing it, you know? So it's right. Uh, it, yeah. It became, yeah. I just, I literally, I'd kind of given up on and, and I honestly, I'd never thought I'd be able to get surgery, which was kind of that last thing um, the LPGA needed to have done in order to play. Uh, unfortunately it's not something that's like free or, you know, not every insurance covers it or the government's not covering it. Like right wing yeah. media somehow thinks being done. Um, and I remember the first surgeon I found, um, and this was a freak accident, but he, I found him, um, went, had a meeting was, you know, maybe if something happened, I was going to be able to afford it at one point in my life. It was like $25,000 or something. And uh, he had a pilot's license, and he died in a freak plane accident when he was flying between his home in Tampa and and somewhere else. And I'd heard it on the news, and then I kind of resonated. I remember calling his office, and they were like, yeah, the the practice is done. Wow. Finding another doctor in, what was it? I ended up going to Baltimore because, I mean, there's not many of these doctors in the U.S., And that's who I ended up going to. Luckily, my insurance took it. But yeah, no, it was, yeah, I I saw on, because I lived an hour and a half from there, I saw on the news one day and I was like, wait, that, that is insane. But yeah, no, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, So, I mean, it was, uh, it was a long process of me thinking and and hoping one day I would play again. Um, But no, honestly, I mean, there was always a thought in the back of my head of, of this, this will never happen. Even though there's rules that have been set and there's a way maybe I can play. I was like, you know, say if I have surgery 20 years from now and I'm in my mid to late forties, you got to think too, there's the age and you need to be young, fit, ready to go to be an athlete. You've lost your prime years at that point. You know, I already feel like I'm six, seven, eight years behind everyone I'm playing against, you know? So heck, yeah. I had to wait even longer. I it, It's almost like would it have been worth trying you know just for like the the mental defeat constantly what has the communication process been like with the lpga and how would it be most helpful for them to work with you and not just you but just all members of the trans community all trans women who are trying to play golf what what would be most helpful from them well i know the lpga was fantastic i did have some i know issues with the usj and it was it was definitely later on the process. I hadn't dealt with them at first. And I figured why deal with the USJ and the LPJ? You know, I may as well get a yes from one first. You know, let's mm-hmm, start with mm-hmm. one and then go from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, but oh, I remember it was right after I had surgery. But I mean, I'm saying I'm literally I'm sitting in the bed, bored out of my mind for ten days. It was during COVID, so you know, no one was allowed in or out. So I'm just emailing tours, everything, my medical records, everything I knew they would need. And uh, I remember the USGA was like, okay, um, you know, it's going to be like a six-week process for them to go through now that I've kind of met all their requirements. Um, Because I think US Open qualifying was like three or four months from that time period. Six weeks go by, still haven't heard nothing. Um, Like another week goes by, again, nothing. So I reach back out. Um, There's somehow happens to be a six-week delay that no one had ever told me about they just thought it would maybe you know i'd forget or something mm. so another six weeks goes by because of this magical delay um we're getting pretty close to the tournament at this point and then i'm being told oh we need more blood work your blood work was only valid for like 45 days and i'm thinking i mean do you think i'm like shooting roids and everything is just magically changing in like 45 days like it doesn't really happen that way <laughs> it eventually came down to my blood work the results weren't going to come in until two days after the actual qualifier itself. Oh, wow. Which at this point, it, yeah, at this point I'm just getting real frustrated because I'm like, okay, you said this is going to take six weeks. Now you're just, it was like, okay, we need more blood work. And oh, oh now we need this. So I literally, I got to the point where I just went to my doctor. And I said, give him whatever the hell you want. I just signed it. I said, you have full access to I me. Mean, I've got nothing to hide. I don't really care what they see, you know? So I gave him absolutely everything. And it got to the point where, you know, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? The the qualifier is coming up. And if you say, I don't, you know, there's no answer. Like, am I going to be able to play? Um, which the ironic thing in all of this is us open qualifiers are run by the state. Well, the Florida state golf association had said I was able to compete. So because of that, the Florida state golf association sends me a tea time. The USGA still hasn't given me an answer, and I 
technically have a tea time because one organization said yes. So it's like the people running the tournament say I can play, but mm-hmm. the people overlooking the tournament say I can't. So when that's already confusing, um, at one point someone was like this, I mean, go show up or, I mean, what are they going to do kind of thing? Um, mm-hmm. but it got to the point where they say, go and play, um, based on, you know, in there, say, if you get through, we'll, we'll need to reassess and we'll give you an actual answer after that. So more or less, I had to go play and then they would tell me what my answer was after. So, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. so I can go say, win the qualifier by three and you could still tell me no. Right. Yeah. I bet mm. you it won't be no damn six weeks of waiting if you gone and won or gone and placed. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing. They just, because more or less, if I don't qualify, in their mind, well, we don't have to think about it anymore. But if I do qualify, then it's like, oh, shit, now we need to actually address right. this. You know? It was, which, in my opinion, would just give them more reason to not want me there. Like, oh, shit, now we have to, like, deal with this now. What are we going to do? You know, so I remember I was what like one or two out of actually qualifying with nine holes to play. And it was so hard to actually like focus and do what every other, mm. you know, athlete I was around. Because all I kept thinking of was, is it more heart wrenching to just maybe not play good in the back nine or to maybe have the biggest feat of my whole life then taken away from me in three days? Because unlike the men's side. On the women's side, it's one qualifier and you're in. There's no like locals and sectionals. Right. So that's, mm. I could have gone and made it into my first major, been on this huge high, and then they could have just ripped it from me the week after. Um, which, you know, I know as everyone says, you know, you know, oh, well, they ended up saying yes in the end. Again, their yes came from, you know, I didn't qualify. It was like, okay, well, we don't really need to worry about it now. So even if we say yes, I mean, there's no other tournaments for her to go play in run by us. You know, so it was just, it was, that's a situation that, you know, there just needs to be so much more clarity in the process. Like, like I tell everyone, it's not difficult. You know, I I don't know what, at one point it's like, what the hell are you guys looking at? It's not even like their own doctors and stuff too. It's, you know, they're outsourced to here or there. So, and at one point I even asked, I I wanted to know the doctor's names because how polarizing it is nowadays. I don't know if this is some person who just, hates trans athletes and wants to find anything they physically can't, you know? So like, I don't know who's no matter who it is, they're going to have some sort of bias, which is difficult when it's not like they're, you know, it's not like they're saying yes. And I get full status and I get to do everything that is literally just saying, Hey, yes, you now get to go to the starting line. Right. I mean, I had to go through six years of work to go through what everyone else gets to go online, sign up for and go and play next week. So, I mean, all, all over this social bias and like made up fear mongering by the media the past years. I mean, it's all that had led to, yeah, me I'm literally thinking I had to give up and you know, I it's, it's not like I was okay with it, but yeah, I completely come to terms with that for a couple of years. What do you think would have been more heart wrenching? Oh, a hundred percent making it. And then, because my thing is, like, I don't mind trying something. Well, it's not like I don't mind, but I, I'm i okay with trying something and failing because at least you gave it your all, yeah. you know? But if you were to something mm-hmm. and then have it taken from you, that, that's a different story, you know? Because it's like you've, you've physically gone and earned something. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, at that point, I spoke to you about this, Brad. When I uh, finished second on the tour and I got the exemption of the Colorado Open, I had gone and earned that exemption and I still had to go through a process of them saying if I could play or not. Right. And I'm like, it's not like I went online, signed up, and you're like, okay, now we'll assess this. It's like, no, I went through something that you had set up with a tour for ages, mm-hmm. go through this process, and now you're saying I might not get to play. And what bugged me even more was the fact that I was like, okay, say if you tell me no, will you at least give it to the next player? Because it was a friend of mine who I just Mm. edged out. I was like, will you at least give it, you know, move it down? No, we're not going to do that. So I'm like, so you're literally just going to waste an exemption where I'm I'm telling you, you know, it's not like I'd be okay with it, but, you know, at least if you're going to yank something from me, use it and benefit someone else. And, you know, it was like, no. So it's just, I don't know. It it gets frustrating because, you know, that's a more... Um, liberal, I would say, area of the country, just in regards to a tournament, like so much nicer of a staff and everything. So it's like, okay, I mean, if they're doing that, 
I don't I don't see I don't even look at tournaments in some states because I don't want to know what they would say. I mean, to be mm-hmm. honest, I, I assumed it would kind of be like a, a green, you know, flag as long as the USJ and LPGA. But to be honest, I'm starting to learn that there's probably some tours out there, some state golf associations who probably couldn't care less and would just be like, nope. Our governor says you can't play or something, so we're not letting it. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I was going to say, like, I mean, you brought up the governor. Like, it's not like these tours or like these associations have like a board or like a coalition of doctors or medical professionals or like whoever the fuck right. they feel like they need to validate yeah. who you are. Uh, like, it seems as if it's just like staff members looking at your paperwork and being like, yeah. hmm, yes or no. Like, right. <laughs> that is absolutely and, wild. And that's my, when they're like, oh, it's going to take six weeks. And and believe me, I've looked at my blood result paper. And if any of you guys have looked at blood result paper, it's not like you get a book. I mean, it's right. a few, it's like, <laughs> of like some small numbers, like, all right, one sheet that my doctor who went to school for 12 years, that's all she needs. Right. Like six weeks to look at seven numbers and be like, well, hold on. That could really, uh. Got some big biceps because of that point seven. I mean, like, <laughs> that's insane. You know what I mean? Like, it's literally like you're looking at something and like, all right, let's find a definition here and see if we can find something to nitpick. It's like, yeah, that's almost what they want the time for. Like, hold on, let me see if I can find something. There's got to be something here. It's like, yeah, th- there's not a misconception as to, you know, apparently people think we're Tiger Woods in a dress and they're going to hit it 350, you know. Right. And and you speak about this uh, quite a bit, like a your your yeah. length, like, like speak yeah. on that a little and, bit, because it's not like it changed the, the world for you. Yeah. And it, well, it's funny because I remember um, before I came out, I, I tried playing in some professional events and I lived in Jupiter. Um, it was actually I. I, I don't think I ever played with her, but I got to practice with uh, Marina a few times. So it was at the same club as her. And uh, I remember because of that, obviously before transition as a male, I hit the ball. Uh, my swing speed was like 116, right around that range. I mean, I hit it pretty far. Um, obviously not compared to now. Um, but anyway, I think because of that, when I first came out, some of the people who had played with me, their first thought was, well, I see how far you hit it now. I mean, mm. you're, you're still going to drive us by wide so I remember that was always a big concern um, with a few of the players when I came out. And honestly, like I was at 116. I thought, okay, maybe I'll move down to like 108, which I know is still probably what, like one or two, I think, on tour right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was maybe going to go there. Um, you know, I <laughs> I'm now to the point where I feel like I'm like a 70 year old person where it's just like every week my distance goes down no matter what. Um, which mm. I remember at one point a few years ago, I was like, okay, maybe I'm just not hitting a solid. And then you keep hitting solid and you're like, nope, never mind. I'm just hitting it shorter. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm at, I went to a fitting a couple weeks before Q school and, you know, right starting the fitting, I was just over 99 miles an hour. Um, and right at the very end, like full warmed up going at it, I think I got to like 101.5. Um, which again, I mean, that's, that's, pretty much 15 miles an hour which when at one point i was swinging super fast that's that's like 45 plus and that's like carry yardage that's not hey what it's rolling in so and i think the distance is it's almost been like more mental for me like uh the amount of shots i'll stand over and say it's 150 yards you know and i used to be like okay let me grip down on a nine iron and now i'm going all right. I mean, if it's a little into the wind, do I have to hit something with like a seven or a six iron? You know, it's it's more of almost mm. the mental side of, yes, I wow. know where I can hit it, but at the same time, I spent twenty two plus years of my life hitting it much longer than I do now. I mean, I didn't equate yeah. how far I hit it probably when I was like, I don't know, thirteen or fourteen. You know, which that's almost the tougher thing, like seeing, you know, even looking at a scorecard. I remember looking at uh, at Q school the scorecard last year when I first played and I'm thinking, Oh, you know, the, the courses don't look that long. I hadn't really grasped how short I hit it. Um, like I, I kind of had a feeling, but I hadn't grasped the numbers and then you start going, well, this hole's 400 yards, but I'm hitting driver, maybe wooden to the hole, you know? So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. I lost so much more distance than I, I ever could have thought. And, and again, unlike a lot of trans athletes we're seeing in the media who are, you know, say maybe haven't been on hormones or things like that as long as I have, 
Uh, I mean, I've been on hormones for coming up on seven years. You know, I've, I've fully transitioned in, in every way. My body doesn't really create testosterone, but it's, I, I mean, the small things, and I, I didn't even think about this even until a few weeks ago. Yes, I hit it shorter, but not only do I hit it shorter, I got less spin. My height's different. It's, it's landing into greens different. So, mm. I mean, I could go and play probably the course I grew up at. Um, and while, you know, I could probably play the correct tees to make it feel the same, the ball's flying into the hole different. You know, I'm not hitting a six iron like I used to from 205 towering in the air that can, you know, land and hold a green. Now I'm hitting six iron from, say, 165, and it's coming in a lot flatter. And some of the greens I just might not be able to hold, you know, at all. Mm. So, there, I mean, there's a lot more than I first thought of just the distance. It's like there's all these other factors of the height. And it's, right. yeah, it's been so much more than I ever thought. And, and like I said, I think that's just the big misconception in the media. Um, and that's that's kind of why I got on and addressed it a little. Because um, I remember... Uh, the TMZ interview, everyone kind of assumed, okay, I've lost yardage. So they assumed that brings me back to say 270, 280. Well, Q school, I was sitting at like 250, 255, which 250 is 117th on tour and 255 is 82nd. So like, so like where the average. hell is my advantage? Yeah. Wh- literally yeah. where the hell is my advantage? That apparently I'm supposed to dominate everyone because of literally at Q school. I played with two girls who, I say didn't hit it further than me. I mean, we were pretty even half the holes. They'd be further or not. But, I mean, it's not like I was even playing with two girls that I was out driving throughout the week. No, seven of them were out driving me by a mile. The other two, I didn't feel awful because <laughs> we were, like, in the same yardage. And, and for me, it's almost difficult because the stereotype the media has put on where, you know, I see yep. these kind of small, skinny, you know, slender girls I'm playing with. And then they're sitting out driving me by, you know, 10 yards, 15 yards in some holes. I'm just like, good God. The media thinks I apparently can hit it far. Just, you know, and obviously a lot of people you see online will analyze, oh, my shoulders or this. It really doesn't matter. It's like putting you know, a smart car engine in a Hummer. It, it doesn't go that, you know. <laughs> I Like I said, I think there's a lot of people allowing trans people to speak. You know, even uh, I think I told TMZ this, I'm, I'm not sure if they actually aired it, but even when you think about the Leah Thomas situation, you know, I, I've been lucky where, um, especially in the last week, because Caitlyn Jenner gave me some support, I've had the opportunity to, to talk to a few places. Um, has anywhere ever allowed Leah to like sit down for an hour and just say, this is about her transition. This is what she's gone nope. through. This is what her strength, like, I haven't seen it. Like I extremely lucky that people have listened to me, but, Dude, she won the NCAAs and no one's even allowed her to speak other than maybe someone probably brought her on a show to demean her for 30 minutes. You know, like no one's actually allowed the trans athletes themselves to speak about what's going on themselves. It's just like, you know, someone will embellish some numbers, shove it out to the media, and then everyone thinks that. I mean, there's people I used to play golf with who, like I said, supported me when I first came out. Now, because of the way the media is changing things you know I, I spoke to one a few days ago and he's like well i you know i've got daughters and i can't support this and i'm thinking you you personally know me you see what's going on but you'd much rather believe what the media is telling you just because it, it's some guy on tv and you know apparently i may be just making myself look good you know it's just yeah, I, I think we need to start listening to like the actual athletes themselves rather than just people who don't know anything about you know it's like everyone goes back to like women's right things, you know, let people who are actually going through these things govern these things, right. you know, they have yep. experience on it. To be honest, I think you can ask a lot of trans athletes. We're not looking for, you know, everyone to just be able to, to come out and say I'm trans and then be able to go like play professional sports or something any day. You know, it, 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 one, we understand it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two, you know, it just, it, I think it's almost like people think it's like this amazing thing. Like you come out and society loves you. Like, no, I would never wish being trans on anyone. Cause I mean, literally the amount of hate and stuff I received, like look, I shot two under in my first round last week and right wing media, like lost it. One, I'm just a random freaking person playing golf. And now my face is in the media and all this because I shot two under once. Like seriously, it's just, it gets so triggered so quick. 
Um, and there's just, I don't know, there, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. Like, kind of like I point out to people, um, you know, if I was actually dominating, I, I, I wouldn't be at Q school this year. I wouldn't have had to go in the first place. Yeah, you know, I right. done all that last, okay, good, done. Don't have to go back. You know, it's almost just like, okay, or, you know, I guess elections are here. So it's like, Hey, let's bring Haley back in as a talking point and come November, depending on what happens, maybe we'll talk about me some more and maybe not, but you know, there's just, there's so many trans athletes who we talk about them so much and we belittle them so much, but we never actually hear what they themselves have to say, which really frustrates me. I mean, I would, like I said, I, like I tell everyone, I mean, I would love to sit down with, with Caitlyn Jenner and just hear her perspective. I would love to sit mm-hmm. down with Leah and I couldn't yeah. care less what the media is making up because I mean, they can honestly say whatever they want and depending on who's in, you know, working there, they can get away with a lot more. So I think there just needs to be more, it's not like we don't have voices and our voices, you know, aren't doing anything. It's just, we're not giving a chance to, to speak at all. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. A better way to pod. I love Anchor so much. Um, it was cool that I was able to tap into Anchor while we were recording to find out all the countries that listen to group golf therapy. That was a dope feature. That was an educational experience for all of us, not just our listeners. I learned 13 new countries that I'd never heard of. Anchor is the platform we're recording this podcast on right now. So if you're out there and you're like, hmm, I should start a podcast, look no further than Anchor. It's cheap as hell. It's free. It's free. It's, it's that cheap. It's completely free to use. It's you, free 99. It distributes your podcast on all platforms. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, Anchor will get it there for you. The three of us throw around a term very often, parking lot Wi-Fi, when one of us is stuck in a parking lot trying to record a podcast because we're three different people with very different schedules. Anchor allows you to record a podcast from your phone, so Wi-Fi is not actually an issue. So you can have parking lot cell service and still record a podcast. Unless you're on a Nextel, then I don't know what you're doing and you probably can't get Riverside or Anchor on that. So if you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm, you can get started today for free. Mind your pods. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, the online therapy platform that the three of us use. I use it religiously and it's led to a great relationship with a therapist that I have from anywhere in the country. We love it because you can pick and choose someone just like dating, but even better since this is such a a very personal time commitment and position that you're putting yourself in. And you can take 10% off your first month of therapy using our link. And if you use code GGT at checkout, that will activate that 10% off your first month, courtesy of Group Golf Therapy and BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash GGT for 10% off your first month of service. Hit them straight, mind your golf, and stay tuned for our BetterHelp moment of clarity later in this episode. I'm really grateful that you are taking the time to speak with us because, like you said, it's important to have that experience be voiced by the person who's experiencing it, not refracted through this weird glass lens that the media does. And unfortunately, in your situation, I'm sorry that the media treated your story the way that they did, because I would love to hear from you how that affected your play. The The, the stories started coming out after round two of three. You know, you still had golf to play. To be honest, I was OK at first. I feel like I was desensitized to it um, to a point. Uh, I did. I got one death threat, which that kind of sparked me a little Mm. only because the fact that, I mean, I was one, I was in one of the furthest States from where I live. I was traveling alone. Um, you know, I had no one come with me this year. So it was like, you know, I'm in a different state alone. Um, you know, as much as I can say, shelter myself here, still got to fly back, still got to go through airports. And, you know, so there was just, you know, as much as I knew people can be crazy and things like that, I suppose I'd never like physically, seen it or, or read it or or anything like that so i mean it did it screwed me for i would say the front nine on the last day and and not a ton uh, i feel like i'm pretty good like mentally when it comes to, to things like this but like i said i mean that was uh definitely a first um to the point where and i know my parents have i my parents and i have actually spoke about this now and it, it's kind of sad to say but 
I mean, in a way, it's almost good I didn't get through, um, like, almost for my safety reason. Because at the same time, like, if they lost mm. their shit over me shooting two under in round one, just imagine if I would have made that first cut and then made the cut to go under round two, which is here in Florida, not in California, a blue state. I'm sure they would have blown it up at that point. So, like... And it sucks that I even have to have that thought in general. I mean, you should never have to be grateful you didn't achieve something. Right. And, and as much as it hurt at first, and I don't know if it's just something maybe I tell myself to make myself feel better about, you know, maybe not playing great. Um, but no, it like I say, it kind of sucks to the fact that I have to think of, it's almost good I didn't, like, succeed. Because, I mean, like I said, I mean, if I shoot, shoot two under once and there's, like, one death threat, who knows if I would have gotten through, especially since Fox News and all of them were spinning it to seem like, oh, if I get through this one stage, I'm magically on the LPJ. That was kind of the way they worded everything. So everyone would have assumed at that point I would have, you know, there would have just been such anger. And, you know, it. and like I said, it, it sucks because as I sit here and think, you know, it's, it, it's almost like you don't have a job next year in a slight way, but at the same time, I almost am slightly grateful because I, one, I didn't know if I'd be able to afford it, but two, I mean, again, if people are losing it after that, it's, I mean, God knows what's going to happen when I, cause I, I mean, it's not going to stop me from playing, but at the same time, I mean, what's going to happen when that, when it does happen. And it's not like it's something that I think might have, I mean, I, I've worked my whole life towards something. I know once I get the reps in and I'm allowed to play that something is going to happen. I, you know, or, uh, like ability wise and me playing well. Um, but like I said, it's very worrisome to now where like, I need to think about the States I travel to. I mean, there's tournaments I, I physically will not even think about playing in now because of the state they're in, you know, like if, like I said, I mean, if people are losing their shit over like one round there, imagine if my tournaments in their town and, and say, if I play good in one round there where they can physically like, you know, it, I shouldn't have to think about like physical safety at my level, you know, like when you hear about people oh. having these issues, it's stars on TV who have been in the limelight all their life. And, you know, people talking about Tiger Woods, like, you know, you can't go to the grocery store without people doing stuff. It's like, obviously that's still not right, but it's weird to think of like, I now need to think about the dumb small things. And I mean, I'm just literally a mini tour player. Like, everyone else all this you know the amount of people better than me who go and win every week on mini yeah. tours and it's like I, I almost feel bad at the same time you know i'm getting all this exposure which is cool and all but at the same time like i mean a friend of mine won three in a row this year i get all this and and jb hasn't like gotten much of everything just because you know again people seem to, to care more about this just when we do something good you know no one could care less if i had six bad tournaments in a row but by God, if I have one good round, the right wing media will lose it. Which I mean, it, like it's kind of fun uh, in a way, but you know, it, it does suck. I try to see the light in it. You know, it's almost like, and, and I tried to think going into that. Well, what ended up being my last round at Q School, I, I tried to think of it as a okay. Let's try to use this as motivation, you know. And, and I and eventually I was able to um, my back nine. Uh, I fought back a little. Um, and like I said, I was able to, to kind of get over them, but at first it was, you know, a lot of just dumb things of like, okay, let me look up who I'm playing with. Let me see where they're from. Let me make sure maybe, you know, their Instagram isn't full of say Trump that, you know, just all these dumb things where, I mean, the amount of girls I play with who were like, yeah, I'd never really look at that stuff. And it's like, I do just for the odd fact of that's a privilege. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a dumb, I've only, I've luckily only ever had to to talk to the, uh, a tour once about not playing with someone. But I mean, at the same time, the fact that I've had to, to do that in general, like no one should have to do that regardless of your, your race color or anything. Right. Like you should, uh, it's not like you're asking for a special privilege. It's like, no, unfortunately someone thinks they're that much more privileged than you that they can then make you feel bad for just trying to do the same thing that everyone else is. Even though your story last week in the last couple of weeks was getting covered by national media, even Daily Mail, <laughs> um, right, <laughs> right wing media, etc. There were zero stories published by golf media about this, and I w I wanted to know if you if you'd thought about that at all. 
like if, if you're grateful that no store no no golf stories were published or if or if that would have been helpful or hurtful like what what was your reaction to not seeing golf digest golf.com etc write anything about this story yeah so well so it's funny because i know there's times where my parents will go you know say maybe i don't want my face to be in, in certain places it, it, you know say it may be bad um i try to see this whole like everything for me is you know being the first to do something, you know, if I'm just going to sit there and hide behind everything, what am I really changing? Uh, unfortunately, if no one's been given a voice and you actually get a chance to have a voice, should use it. Um, so it, it does bug me, like I said, especially saying I, I worked for the Golf Channel at, at a point and like physically walked into the office and know these people. Uh, I remember that it really used to bug me um, at first because um, like I said, I would walk up to people's desks personally and you know, there would always be different excuses like, oh, uh, you know, oh, oh, you need to win a tournament actually at this level. But then they'll do a story on like a kid or so. it's <laughs> like so there, there's really no standard. It's just now there is because it's involving a trans golf. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to up the level, apparently. So, uh, I mean, I, I would have loved it more or less because the more my name's out there, the more of a conversation I can start, whether it's in a good light or a bad light, it maybe people might get to see my name and it might allow me to have that conversation. So yes, I would have uh, enjoyed it. Not for, you know, as great as it's, you know, it is to just get your name out there in general. Um, that that's kind of my big thing with, with how I go about stuff is, you know, I try not to, to jump on and, and fight people and, and I can get pretty in my emotions at, at times with those, but you know, I'd, I'd much rather start a conversation with someone and eventually, you know, get to work at it rather than, mm-hmm. you know, not everything that is posted about me. I, I already know it's not going to be positive. So there's no point in dwelling on that. But I, yeah, I'd much rather, I mean, especially saying I'm in golf, um, you know, if we're talking about diversifying golf and, and drive on and, and all this other crap, <laughs> you know, if we're actually meaning to do all that, um, we should probably actually show a diversified golf because obviously, I mean, golf's conservative. Obviously, the conservatives care enough to listen to it because, I mean, mm-hmm. all over their media. It's like if you're worried about your conservative market, apparently they're interested. So right. uh, <laughs> why not give them what they want? Right. Apparently, But it would have been good just to to maybe have a, an, an in just to maybe get my comments or get my words. I just got lucky when when TMZ reached out and just to, I got to clarify a few things. I, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. But at the same time. Like that's something dumb I watched as a kid. So I like, well, I mean, best respect, but like, that's just a, a show like that that would come on as a kid. You would think, okay, yeah. you do something golf, the golf people would probably care, you know, but there's always these excuses of, oh, it's not this and that. It's like, no, they're, they're literally worried about the, the whatever conservative viewership that is sponsoring and feeding their money. They're worried that they'll pull it. And I mean, a, a friend of mine that works for the, the PGA tour, learned pretty quick that those voices are just a few people because at the same time there's there's still so few golf outlets that when you post yeah. a story people aren't going to go and run and hide somewhere else they got no you know yeah. come right back so it, i don't know what they're they're scared of you know and then, like i said it just bugs me because i, I work there so it's i almost see it yeah. a little more personal it's like i personally know these people these people personally know my story of play golf or eating with me. So it's like, it's not, you can just say, Oh, I haven't heard about it. Well, apparently with half the crap I've on, you know, like I've gotten reached out to from people. I mean, heck what Macklemore followed me. Like, you know, apparently people are listening, just, it needs to be given the correct light. And as, and if we just keep hiding things from golf, golf's going to still remain 30 years behind. And I know obviously Brad, you do a fantastic job on this of, of all, you know, the stuff like your personal stories you've done lately of, you know, it's sad that golf is just now expanding, like, within the African-American community. And you think, it's 2022, and this is just now, like, golf's selling point. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we're diversifying. We've got the APT and stuff. It's like, yeah, it's 2022. Why is that happening now? Like, do I have to wait 40 years to have rights in golf? Like, are we using that same? That's that's certainly what it feels like. And you bring up your, your parents quite a bit, which I, I, <laughs> I noted. Um I wonder if that is where your optimism comes from, having their support, um, having folks in your corner to to keep pushing you because you do have optimism. You do put positive spin on things. Even when, you know, we talked earlier about 
your the, your time away from golf, you were still looking like, all right, maybe in like six months, if I if I train, if I practice, like I can get, I, I can maybe go play around here. Like maybe one of my friends will call me up and and bring me to their club. And um, despite all of the negativity that uh, in recent times have been around you and your story, where does that optimism come from? So honestly, there was quite a period of my life, and this is kind of why I eventually like fully came out. Uh, you know, I was real depressed in a real dark area. Uh, I was pretty suicidal for years. Um, and I think like humor, I was always one of those kids, and obviously it's an awful example, but um, was it Bill Murray? Kind of as people would see, like I would always use my pain and joke about things, like everything. Um, and I think it was almost like my coping mechanism. So even when I remember when I first, like my story first came out, there were a lot of people that say jumped on at first and like, Oh great. We're going to support you when the off season, everything like that came uh, all that public support, like people saw it. I mean, it, it literally was, it was public support. People got their karma fix. Like, Hey, great. Now I feel good about myself. I'm going to disappear now. Obviously when the Fox thing came up, people jumped out again um, but no, I mean, there was such a, a, like a period of my life where I even have random times now where, you know, I, yes, I have my parents support. Um, I have my roommate support, but like there are times where I just, I feel like that's it. Um, and, you know, as dark and everything as I can get. And, you know, I, I do spend just, and again, I, I feel like it comes with golf. You spend a lot of time alone. Um, you know, if I don't joke or, or laugh about things, um, I want to say I'm going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately even like even now um so i mean even on the the golf course i know there's like one or two times now where you know unfortunately things have just kind of gotten to me not in like a say an angry way or you know anything like it would have been as a kid but i'm pretty sure 99 percent of the people um i played with you can go and ask them like how am i as a person to play with and like i i will always make sure and i know i'm sure this probably annoys people that i'm like I'm always pushing them, but in like a positive way, you know, the amount of times I'll see players on the course and yes, they're in their tournament mode and they kind of do their own thing. Like as much as yes, I see that I will make sure like I'm giving someone support. Like I remember, you know, there's a few tournaments where sometimes people in my group have had a bad few holes. I will make sure that I'm the one to cheer them up. Yes. You don't see that in golf, but again, at the same time, we're out there. If you're having a miserable time, I know how shitty that can feel. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'll find a way. You know, like I still see it as I'm, and again, it's probably because I'm closer to 30 and all these people are way younger than me. I see myself as a little bit of an older <laughs> figure. Um, but no, I mean, uh, just something I, I wish I saw more in sports. You know, I'll always be positive and, and cheering like anyone I'm playing with on because one, half of these people, I mean, they have all these amazing credentials. And I mean, there's a girl uh, I get to practice with who's played five U.S. Opens now. You know, like as a kid, I, you know, I was such a mental head case and stuff. Like anytime I was able to play with these kids, I, I do see it as a privilege. You know, these are insanely talented people that I'm very lucky to be around. So I'm going to sit there and push them kind of the same way I would want to be pushed. Or, you know, I wish I was, say, pushed. 10 years ago when I was trying to play, you know, as male and, and, and saw what doesn't work, mm. you know, and, and sometimes I can see people going down that path or maybe a path of negativity. And to be honest, I don't care if it makes me look like an ass at times, I will jokingly go out of my way just to make someone feel better because you know what, that can do so much for someone. Cause uh, like I said, the amount of times I'd gone through like partial suicidal stages and things like that, the amount of times like one small thing would really change my day. You know, as much, it doesn't really matter what someone looks like on the outside or, you know, the type of day it may look like they're having. One small trigger, you never know what that could be yeah. for them. So no, regardless of how plump or happy someone else may be looking, I'll kind of add to that. Because, like, again, you don't know if they're just coping for something or if they're actually dealing with something. So, but uh, I think I'm just kind of lucky that that's just always been my coping mechanism for, for like, any negative times I've been through or or like if hate comes at me or things like that, you know, I try not to take it to heart and I try to see the light in it or, or maybe try to see their perspective more. Um, but again, I feel like I've just, it's, I've just kind of been lucky with that really in the end. Thank you for sharing that. I feel like now is a good time for the meat and potatoes questions segment of the show. 
Let's start with our collective exhale, our our BetterHelp moment of clarity. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, which is sick because we are a mental health podcast. BetterHelp is a, a an online therapy platform that the three of us use. And so what we have is a, a deck of intention cards that Brad will pick from. They each have little words on them, little phrases, little affirmations, etc. Um, Brad will pick one for you. And if you could, for about a minute or so, imagine what that card means to you in this moment right now. Okay. And if you can try and speak on what that what that card is bringing up for you right now, that would be our better help moment of clarity. Okay. All right. So the card I've drawn is vision. For me, vision is is always kind of keeping a clear eye. Sometimes I know we can get a little fogged up, look at everything that's just kind of right in front of us at that exact moment, um, which I know sometimes you can get obviously a little nearsighted and, and stuck into what you're doing right then and there, say with being the way you react to something rather than thinking, okay, what's this going to do in the long run? Um, so yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I try to keep a, a pretty clear eye in regards to things and, and see maybe what's further ahead rather than just what's right in front of me. Cause sometimes, you know, you may need to go around what's right in front of you in order to get to that final destination. I love that. That was a bar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That kicks off our, our meat and potatoes questions. Next one is a, a house favorite. What are some of your favorite golf smells? I, believe me, I've actually I've been watching a lot of these lately, so I could start. Oh, thinking. Amazing! Um, <laughs> but thank you for the the top ten in the last like two weeks has been perfect timing. Um, <laughs> no, and honestly, I was thinking. So where I grew up at in Virginia, it was gas carts. So obviously, mm. that's part of it. But yeah, I could always I was always one of the first people to tee off in the morning. Um, and it would almost be, it would almost be dumb. Some of those like dumb, like pesticide smells. You would smell like your first one out this morning, like in the morning, they just put everything down. You're literally smelling everything of a golf course, everything from like <laughs> where I grew up in, in the woods in Virginia, it was like everything from the leaves and, you know, you're not just there around, you know, whatever it may be. It was literally, it was Almost the odd smells of golf. You know, you think you're going out there for nature and you're literally getting like pesticides and, and grass. And as much as <laughs> yeah, it's not like a weird, like you sit there and go, God, that sucks. But there's almost like something so soothing at the same time. Like I've never been a cigar smoker, but at the same time, we had a little humidor in the pro shop. As soon as someone opens a humidor, I'm like, God, it smells awesome. Because I was around that as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, adults opening that all the time. So, yeah, I would say... uh if you kind of put those two together, like one after another, like give a little hint of humid, uh, of humidor, and then go into that lovely pesticide and gas yes. smell, you'd be uh, <laughs> pretty good. <It's- laughs> I love it. Unctuous. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird. After seeing your segments, there's, it's weird the things that people resonate with golf, and it's like there's so many good smells, and oh, there's <laughs> those so many. But those stick with you. You know what? Know that, that, they smell like home, though. You know. Because you, because oh, yeah. they brought you back to your home course where you grew up playing, and that mm-hmm. that is that's yeah. the essence of that question. You know, like golf yeah. is a very sensory experience, and it can trans transport you places. And yes, the the fact that you brought up the humidor is so specific, and that pesticide smell is so specific to Haley Davidson, and that's <laughs> that's exactly why we asked that <laughs> yeah. question. Um, that blue stuff you put down the yes. grass. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you get the kid in high school who would like lick his ball. It's like, no, yeah, don't, don't, yeah, it's like, no, don't, don't, don't. He'd still do it anyway. And it's like uh, the kid's dad's yelling at him, thinking his kid's going to get cancer or something. From him. Well, there goes that kid's mouth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, next question. You're at this, you're at your home course. You're first out. Pesticide smell is, is pungent. Uh, the humidor is fresh. It's it's nice. It's like a a, a, a nice seventy eight degrees inside that humidor. Maybe you just open it and smell it. You don't have to smoke one. But then you head out to the first tee, and the starter announces your name. What is the song that you would want playing through the speakers as you walk up to that first tee? Oof, I'm trying to think. To be honest, and I remember it actually made me cry the first few times I heard it. Um, 
What is it? It's the song in The Greatest Showman. You know, the girl with the beard who sings it? Oh, that one, the one who made Hugh Jackman cry the first time? That song. Because I feel like that would just be like, yeah, that's, this is me. Yes. I think. Look out, because here I come. And then you would have to time it right with like one of Yes. (laughs) Of course. Of course. I would have to like think about that, go in a little, but needless to say, I've tried to put that uh, real before. Yeah. Let's say you um you win, you you earn your LPGA card, you win your first LPGA event. The following year, you return back to host your champions dinner. What is on the menu for that championship dinner? Oof. See, and it's weird because I'm from Scotland, so people would say haggis, but no, <laughs> I want people to eat. Um <laughs> you want them to actually eat something. I want them to like enjoy their meal. You know, they got a lot of walking ahead. Um, honestly, like I love things like sushi, and I love that kind of food. Honestly, I would do just sushi boated out. If you don't like it, sorry. You can you know eat a ginger salad or something? But yeah, we're uh, we're eating sushi like the whole the whole. It's just one old big boat. Yes. Whole thing. I love it. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hey, so deal with it exactly deal with it you got rice fill you up. win win this deal year if it. you don't like if you don't like my menu you know i'm exactly. the defending champ it's exactly. my dinner yeah yeah do better next time i don't know what to tell you yeah you want to pick the food then you win yeah. <laughs> i'll have yep. to eat your crap that probably <laughs> <laughs> what is the time on the golf course that you have laughed the hardest Oh my god, this is tough. Because you see, growing up as a male, it's a lot more like cringy things. Like, oh shit! Like, why'd that happen? Okay. Um, no, no laughter. It was a lot of like anger. <laughs> um, hey, sometimes anger leads you to some some very interesting places, including laughter. So that counts. It's probably been like laughing out of pain from something like I just like hit my ankle or something. Oh, um, that's the worst with the putter, the, the, the ankle bone. Oh. Or when you're stepping out of a bunker and try and clap the bottom of your your uh, shoes and miss, and you just get the leading edge in the ankle bone. Yeah. Oh, that Uh, you you feel stupid when that happens. One one feels stupid when that happens. So I try to make every round of golf enjoyable. So I can't think of like one. That's okay. I try my hardest to make sure everyone laughs during every round. So I don't think there's one. I'm not serious as a little. I'm serious, but I'm not like as openly serious as like a lot of other people. So and my rule is if you can have the most fun out of anyone on a golf course, your talent and everything's going to handle itself. You know, the amount of times you go out with your buddies and, and just kind of have fun and everyone's like, oh, you know, you played great, but oh, it's not the same as tournament golf. Well, why isn't it the same as tournament golf? Because the difference mm. is you're having fun and joking with your buddies and then you take it too serious when you go play in tournaments and then so you purposely make it different for yourself, just make it the mm-hmm. same. It seems to work. I think just a lot of people are almost too scared to try it because nowadays I feel like if you don't focus or look like you're focusing, it almost looks like you're not trying when in reality, it's mm-hmm. not the case. I think there's a lot more fun in trying that is actually can coincide it just because you're having fun doesn't mean you don't care. And I think golf is one of the few sports that, there's this odd separation, you know, it's almost like, Oh, you see these guys on TV grinding it out. That's how you should be. It's like, you don't have to go enjoy yourself. I mean, you know, the more, like I said, the the more you enjoy yourself, the more you're just going to bring out your natural talent, which for most of these girls, the talent's already there. They work their whole life. Just stop, you know, shoving it in and and putting so much pressure on it. Just go have fun and, I mean, it's going to happen. The, the scores will happen. You know, you're, if you go give it your all and enjoy yourself, well, you know, you can't really do anything else. Well, well said. said. Yeah. We we believe very strongly in time travel on this show. Um, we, we talk a lot about conversations with the younger self of revisiting older versions of yourself, younger versions of yourself, um, and being able to to talk about experiences in your life with a new perspective um mm-hmm. so something we asked all of our our guests is if you could play a round of golf with a younger version of yourself what do you think you would talk about during that round i don't know if we'd actually play i mean like i said i was such a an angry kid and, I, and growing up i i'd always thought it was striving for perfection or, or whatever it may be because for me 
uh, I didn't see golf and transitioning together. I saw like one, I didn't know what trans was until I was older, but two, uh, you know, when I started figuring out who I was, I didn't see those two going together. Um, so there was, it was probably like 17 on, you know, I just, I did not think, like I said, those two could coincide. So I tried so hard to strive for perfection that, I mean, my anger was, it was miserable. It was a hundred percent on the golf course. It was nowhere else. I wasn't angry towards other people, but I mean, I was breaking clubs because like I said, I thought if I wasn't perfect, then golf won't work out. Then I'll have to address all this other stuff that's going on in my life. Um, and I think like, honestly, that's the one thing I would really tell myself is, you know, who you are and what you like your dreams, they they don't have to be separate. Like you can actually do this. And again, I know it's probably because I never saw anyone like me, um, you know, really growing up, but it's there, you know, and if you ever did, it was like a joke in a movie. It's like a drag queen, you know, like that was the only representation we ever had, Mm. you know, and that's not even real representation. So like I said, I think it would just be like. A reminder of, you know, not going to sit there and say, okay, things are going to be okay because life's not and life's difficult. But, you know, like I said, I was, I was so suicidal for a while, like just not knowing if next week will come or, or, you know, if I'll ever get to be myself or things. So it'd be nice to actually tell myself that, you know, you, you're going to actually, what you've thought all along, like that'll actually be who you are one day. You know, you don't have to go and, what you are in your mind that that'll be a reality like you don't have to just think of okay i'm this weird person or you know like don't don't put so much pressure on yourself like things are you know they may take time or they may not be there now or you may physically not think this even exists but you know just i mean i never thought i'd be anywhere close to who i am now back then i mean from how i treat others to like wanting to volunteer to wanting to just give back to society i mean i am it's not like I was a bad person before. I'm just, I'm so different from, from who I was before because now I'm not just trying to fit in to be everyone else around me. I like I tried so hard to just do what everyone else around me did. You know, I, I, I really, I forgot who I was and almost couldn't care less who I was because society puts so much pressure on who you need to be. And I think honestly, that would probably be the biggest point of, of, you know, of the whole conversation is stop listening to society. Go be yourself. Like just because society isn't there doesn't mean you don't have to be there. So, you know, like I said, sometimes you need to make your own path and everyone else can come with you. That's a fucking bar. Thanks for sharing that, Haley. No, no, you I really appreciate the time, guys. You've You've been awesome. Well, and then there's Drew who kind of fell away. He's <laughs> <laughs> no, cool too. No, you guys, you guys have been awesome though. Like I, I really appreciate it. And just, I mean, even in general, without like this podcast, you guys have just been great support in general. Um, so I honestly, I, I, I really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. 